Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights. I'm your host, Matthew Foley. Today I have a special guest on, and we're going to be talking about a specific theme, and that's the subject in this episode is about order in the house, meaning for Christians, having order in your house, having your house filled with God's presence, and also shutting out the demonic, shutting out the hopeless, the negative, and things that are dark. A major concern in today's culture is demon possession. There's a lot of debate in the church right now. Can believers be possessed? Can you open a door to the devil in your house? Can objects have evil spirits attached to them? And I had talked with uh, my guest just a few days ago about some of the stories, the things he's experienced about the enemy trying to take a foothold in people's lives. But we really landed on the fact that the focus needs to be for every believer to think on things, like Paul said, that are pure and holy and of good report, and that you need to fill your life with goodness. So we're going to talk about the demonic opening up here, but we want to land today in this episode on the need to have your life full of the Holy Spirit and full of the things of God. So I'm going to open up with a few verses. There's one here uh, that's in the Law of Moses. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them <laughs> excuse me and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes you shall teach them to your children speaking of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children listen to that that's family focused language the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. Now listen to this scripture in Matthew 12, 43 through 44. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order. Now listen to that word, he finds it empty. Focus on that phrase. So uh, there's, there's also this concept in uh, Exodus 24. We talked about images, God, uh, mm-hmm. in the law of yeah. Moses, the Ten Commandments. God forbid the creation of images. And we may touch on the modern idolatry of images for a little bit. But uh, I want to go ahead and dive into the subject. So the, pe- the person we have on today, the mystery guest, is Denver Morton. He's my brother-in-law. And he's been the director of IT at Voice of Evangelism for quite a few years at this point. Uh, He's studied the Word of God as a credentialed minister, uh, has taught uh, in the pulpit before, has been a teacher. And he's the owner of Tech Guru, which is a tech company that assists over like, about, about 20 church, 70 churches, excuse yeah, me, about, said about 70, 70 churches. churches. Yeah. They consult and they solve issues with technology and assist them. So uh, you're the husband and father of That's two right. boys. And, uh, yeah, I'm happy to have you on, man. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, totally. So um, can you tell me some about uh, the stories that you related to me about your upbringing where you saw that the enemy was really trying to get a foothold even in your family's life and how God turned that around in certain circumstances, what he did in your life to combat that? Yeah, so, you know, you, you mentioned the, the demonic, and uh, I grew up in a, uh, a household that was not saved. We were not church-church-going, and um, but, but still a, a loving household. You know, mm-hmm. there, there was no no issues there, but um, my my dad's mother, my grandmother, 
she was the only Christian in our family. Um, mm-hmm. Her and her husband had gotten married, and then after they got married, she became a, a believer, and he did not. Mm-hmm. So they had this, um, you know, as Paul would put it, an unequally yoked marriage, if yeah. you will. Contention. And uh, she would she was very faithful to church, a very strong Christian Christian woman, but her husband was not, and uh, he refused to let her take the children to church. Mm. And so <clears throat> my dad did not grow up in church and yeah. uh, his sisters did not grow up in church. Uh, but uh, despite that, mm. uh, growing up, there would be these stories of the house they lived in and of this, um, you know, uh, the, the secular world called, would call it like a haunting, mm-hmm. um, but of these paranormal activities that would take place in the home. And, um, and I heard uh, my aunts and my father and my grandmother, uh, my grandfather died when I was younger, but uh, I've heard stories from all of them independently that, that line up pretty well. And there's countless of countless numbers of them over multiple years. Mm. And the, um, the gist of the story, though, was that, um, that whatever this demonic thing was attached to that home would, um, would play with their emotions. Really? And so, like, one, one example I can give is uh, my grandmother tells the story that, you know, back then the kids would, would go out and be gone for, for all day long. And, you know, mm. they had lots of property and farm and all that stuff. But uh, the, the kids had been gone and... She was in the kitchen, and she heard my father, you know, just screaming like wow. like he was seriously injured, and um, and she ran outside, and the the noise stopped, and he was nowhere to be found, and um, it was stuff like that that would happen to them uh, frequently, and and um, mm. uh, along with with other other things. Well, um, my grandmother tells the story that uh, one night she was home alone, and um, it was it was doing these things that would play on the emotions, and these kind of paranormal activities mm. were happening in the home. And um, she had enough of it. And so she drove to the church, which was not far from the house, and she got a bottle of anointing oil, and she prayed over the house, and she anointed it, and she, she read some scriptures about dedication. Um, I believe they're in Amos. I can, I, can, uh, I can send those to you. Maybe you can do a lower third or something. But, um, but anyway, she, she, she prayed over her house, and she took authority over it, and she says, this is going to be a dwelling of the Holy Spirit, and anything that is not holy and of God must leave. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and they never had any issues after that, and um, and they all. She was able to tell me the details of of the actions that she mm-hmm. took, but uh, all of her children agreed that you know there was a point where this 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 activity they had experienced their whole lives stopped, yeah. and um, and so I had grew up with those stories, and then um, I got saved at the age of sixteen, mm-hmm. and my grandmother passed away just just a, a month or two after my my conversion. And I started attending the same church that she had attended. And um, uh, people in the church would tell me stories about my grandmother. And, um, you know, it wasn't a very common occurrence, but there was at least one, um, you know, lady that they believed was demon-possessed that had, that had come into the church and had caused some problems during mm-hmm. the service. And my grandmother had assisted in, in her uh, exorcism. But um, uh, <clears throat> when I came into the church shortly yeah. after that, um, I was living with my mother's mom, my other yeah. grandmother, who was not a Christian. And uh, we uh, we had to we had to move and find a different place to live, and so we moved into this house that was owned by uh, by my mother's family. It had been owned owned by them for many years as a rental, but um, it was built uh, when we were still England before the Revolutionary War. Really? It, was a, it was a very old home, and um, I don't of course I don't know all the history of the house, but I know like the modern history of it. The story I was always told was that a, a man had committed suicide in mm-hmm. one of the rooms, um, since they were landlords there. 
And, um, and then for a period of time when I was really young, me and my mother lived in another house um, across the street from that, that place. And we would talk to some of the renters and they would tell stories of different mm-hmm. paranormal activity. But, you know, I always felt like they were just, you know, it's like ghost stories around a campfire. You know, yeah. I always felt yeah. like it was fictitious. And um, so I move in there as a new Christian. And um, I, um, uh, I remember one particular event um, one night, uh, we were at church, it was a Sunday night, and they asked us to come down and anoint prayer cloths mm. uh, to, to either give to or, or place near family members that we wanted to come to salvation. And my grandmother I was living with was, was not saved, and mm. so I anointed a prayer cloth and prayed over it for her, and I decided to, she wouldn't take it if I tried to give it to her. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> we just, I decided to put it under her mattress and um uh, of, of the room she was staying in and our she wasn't home and so i remember i remember kneeling down at her bedside and sliding that prayer cloth between the mattress and the box spring mm-hmm. and and praying uh, for my grandmother's salvation and i remember while i was praying i felt this uh, just like somebody walked up and stood behind me i felt somebody standing behind me mm-hmm. but i also like you know when you're having a conversation with somebody and it's a tense conversation yeah. and you can kind of feel the emotions and sometimes you don't have to conversation like someone can just walk in the room and you know they're upset about something mm-hmm. i felt this strong sense that whatever or whoever was standing behind me hated me mm-hmm. and hated what i was doing and it was this deep sense of just pure hatred and evil but as a new Christian, you know, I was real zealous for the Lord. And I remember thinking like, well, obviously that's the devil. Mm-hmm. And obviously he doesn't want me praying for my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I just continued to pray harder. And I also, I also prayed that, that the Holy Spirit would remove whatever this was that was trying to hinder my prayer mm-hmm. um, because my grandmother would serve the Lord. I was, I was declaring it. And um, <clears throat> the next day I walk into the house to find that she had moved her bed. Yeah. Um, wow. uh, it was. It, she had removed it from the bedroom she was in, and had 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 set it up in the living room, which mm-hmm. was you know very bizarre. And I said, "What are you doing?" And and she wouldn't talk about it, but she said, "I'm not sleeping in that room anymore. I can't sleep in that room anymore." And um, and wow. I remember thinking like, "Wow!" I, and I bet she's, I bet she's displaced the prayer cloth, you know, mm-hmm. during the moving process. But um, I remember thinking that was unusual. Well. The, uh, as time would go on, I would be in my room praying and I would hear voices uh, quite mm-hmm. often when I would pray uh, coming from other sides of the house. I never knew what they were talking about. It was yeah. always like these mumbled noises, but I could, I could identify three distinct voices. And I remember two being male and one being female. Mm-hmm. But um, the first time it happened, I thought a television had been left on, but I was home alone and I couldn't find a TV. And so, and it would happen frequently mm-hmm. when I was praying. And so, and as a, as a, as a you know, a 17-year-old, as a new Christian, I'm kind of naive to all of this, um, and so I just remember thinking, well, I remember the preacher saying that when when you get saved, a lot of times your life doesn't get easier; it gets harder because the enemy comes against you in a greater yeah. way. And I remember thinking, well, this just me what he was talking about. You know, I didn't put a lot of I didn't put a lot of you, you know stock into the supernatural. Yeah. yeah. But I was having a conversation about this at church one one evening, and um, uh, someone at the church said, well, you know. You should take some anointing oil, and you should go pray over that house, and you should uh, you should uh, dedicate it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, I and all those that story my grandmother told me came back to me, and I'm like, oh yeah, I should do that. You know, mm-hmm. that makes that makes total sense. And so um, they had given me some instructions. They gave me that scripture that I, I referenced about dedication uh, to pray over the house, and they gave me some anointing oil, and they said to go and they to open a door or a window. 
and they said to walk through the house and over every doorpost of the exterior and interior doors, draw a cross with the anointing oil, which uh, reminds me of that scripture you read about writing the words on the doorpost yeah. of your home, yeah. and, uh, and to declare that this would be a place of the Holy Spirit's dwelling and that nothing that was unholy had, a, had any business there and it must leave in the, in the name of Jesus. And so I, I'm praying this prayer over and over and I'm reading the scripture and I have my Bible in my hand and I'm anointing the doorpost. And I started in the kitchen, which was on the side of the house, and it had a screen door and a main door, and they opened in opposite directions. Mm -hmm. And I had them both opened all the way, and I started going through the house and anointing all the rooms. And when I got to the last room in the house, which was the bathroom, mm -hmm. when I anointed that doorpost and I commanded anything in there to leave that was not holy, this draft went through the house like a, like a mm -hmm. wind gust. Wow. And I heard a big, a big crash, like a slam door, a boom. And um, so I, I, I tried not to let that distract me, and I went in reverse through the house with the same prayer and the same actions with the anointing oil. And when I got to the kitchen, I found those two doors that had been opened in opposite directions had mm. slammed shut against each other. And I remember thinking, well, it, the prayer worked, that whatever was here has left, mm -hmm. and he slammed the door on the way out. And, you know, it's like, well, good riddance. Yeah. And, um, and I had no issues after that, you know, there was, wow, there was no awesome. more voices. There was no more, there was no more strange feelings. I remember our dog would act very strange in some rooms mm -hmm. and that, that, that behavior stopped. And, um, and, you know, and it, that was, to me, that was part of the Christian walk was to take authority mm -hmm. over your domain. It's, uh, it's the original commandment to Adam and Eve is to take dominion yeah. and, um, and, uh, and that's what we have to do. And, and it, despite how evil and how hateful, that feeling was, I knew that greater was he that was in me than he that was in the world. And, um, and it, could, it, could, it could say whatever it wanted, it could act however it wanted, but uh, a simple prayer and a little bit of anointing oil and the scripture, you know, it, it has to bow, and it, it did, it left that yeah. home. It's amazing how when you were doing that as well, you could see the difference between somebody when they had, like your grandmother had human will involved, mm -hmm. and she moved her bed. There was something in her life because you can't just force people to, you know, oh, yeah. serve the Lord. I, I, I wish you could. I wish right. you could pray people to serve the Lord. But And you still believe and stand on the word and pray for people to get saved and God to appeal to their heart. But, you know, when people give place to the enemy or, they, or they, there's something, maybe a hold of bitterness or something in their life, uh, and I don't know what's going on there, but it's just true and it's observable. Oh, yes. People have to want to be free completely, but at the same time, Spirits that are bothering you have no authority right. because you're a Christian. Thank you so much for watching ISO Insights, ISO Bible College's podcast. And I wanted to let you know about something that we offer, making it easy for you to see the rest of the courses that we have sampled in our videos here on our YouTube channel. You can use our All Access Pass, which you can find more about both in the description below and at isow.org, our website. By using the All Access Pass subscription, $99 a month, will get you full access to all of our course catalogs. So please do go over and check out our all-access pass at iso.org. So you pretty much saw for sure that the authority works. The Word yes. of God still works. You could still be delivered from the demonic. And what in your life, when did you not only see that deliverance, radical deliverance, but I know, like, because I, you know, I know you, I see how you live your life, that you're a big guy about... Uh, first, first of all, I'll tell you one thing about Denver. He's very logical, very logical person, very straight shooter. Uh, and I think that's probably benefited him when it comes to just hearing what the Word of God says and then obeying it and yeah. the, the devil fleeing. 
but where in your life have you seen positive things filled up? Because you clean the house out, yeah. but then God said in his word, you have to set a standard in your house and fill, fill it with God, fill it with peace, fill it with good things. Um, what have you seen God lead you? And, and we'll talk about also, we, we, in the conversation we had the other day, we talked about technology, mm-hmm. that today the world is competing. I'll mention this real quick. The world's competing to give a, another message from yes. the Word of God, from mm-hmm. the Scripture. You have shorts on YouTube. You have Instagram reels. So these messages are being the messages are being packed in a smaller, shorter format that's even more entertaining. Yes. And it gives you this impulsive release of good-filling chemicals in your brain. It gets people addicted to just watching videos. But videos have subliminal messaging. Oh, yes. They have their own purposes and their own philosophies that they're giving into people's houses. So um, I'm not trying to condemn people using technology completely. You work in technology. But what uh, number one, what are the standards that you felt God set up in your own house, in your own life, in the culture your family has to, to build up something good in place of it just being a neutral environment? And secondly, how do you work so hand-in-hand hand with technology and with churches and yet keep that kind of hold and keep things simple in your house, keeping the hold of culture out yeah, of your house? Yeah, so with the technology thing, you know, you can't just, you can't just pray and ask the Lord to cleanse your life or yeah. your house or whatever it may be and expect that to be a perpetual uh, state. Yeah. You know, uh, Adam and Eve had to till the garden, they had to tend the garden, and, and your actions and the things that you listen to and the things that you watch make a big impact on the, on the spirit in your home. Mm. And, uh, mm. you know, I think each person works that out between them and the Lord. Yeah. But, uh, you know, if like for <clears throat> an example for me in my life, you know, a lot of people like true crime shows. Mm-hmm. I can't watch them because it, it, it makes me look over my shoulder all the time. Yeah, and that's, a, that's, a, that's a spirit of fear yeah. that reminds me of, of a lot of that stuff that we just spoke about. And, um, you know, and I don't want any fear to have a, a, a place in my home. Mm. And so, you know, we try not to be ignorant to things that, um, that can hurt you or can be harmful. But, um, but when it's crippling or it's something that you, you meditate on often, that you think about often, um, it's, it's one of those things I try to remove from my life. You know, the, the Bible says that to take the word of God and to meditate on it day and night, your comings and your goings, and mm. to teach it to your children. It's in the, the, the law of Moses. And, um, and I think that's a big deal is this whole meditating on God's word and on what is true and holy. Mm. And, um, you know, you were talking about technology. Um, one of the words that I felt God gave for my family years ago was primitive. Mm. And it's been probably five or six years now of us asking the Lord what he meant by that. But one of the things that I really felt like he meant was to limit the position of technology in mm. our lives and our home. Ironic. And, um, yeah, very ironic. <laughs> ironic. And, uh, <clears throat> but, you know, it, it's a big deal because, I, you know, our relationship with God is two ways. You know, mm. we put stuff in and he puts stuff in. And, and it's, it's um, obviously we're, we're the beneficiaries, but yeah. it's because he loves us. And uh, I remember... And I remember someone, t- you know, talking about prayer being a dialogue between you and God. And I've always made that a point in my prayer life <clears throat> to, uh, to lay in an altar and, or to when I pray to give moments of silence for God to speak back. Mm-hmm. But I, I have rarely found that he has, you know, I feel like that mm-hmm. that moment of reflection, that moment of silence and that listening to the Holy Spirit is important. But the times in my life where I've heard that still small voice, the clearest mm. has been times that some people may call boredom. 
but either I was doing a monotonous task and my mind wasn't on something, I wasn't listening to a podcast, I wasn't trying to solve some problem, but I was doing something monotonous or I was waiting on something or somebody mm -hmm. and I didn't have anything to occupy my time. And now that we have smartphones and we have the endless scrolling of social yeah, media yeah. and we have notifications for all kinds of apps and, and different ways to get a hold of us, uh, I find those times of pause that you would mm -hmm. have naturally throughout the day are gone. Yeah. Because either you naturally feel it or you're going through your notifications. And, yeah. you know, there's a great documentary out there that talks about how the smartphone and social media is designed using the same psychology as a, um, as a casino. So it's addictive with, and it's overstimulating. Yeah, with, with sounds yeah. And, and swiping down to see if you get something new and you don't mm -hmm. always get something new, kind of like a slot machine. And, um, and it is, it's overstimulating, but, but more importantly, it's noise mm. that uh, distracts you from hearing that still small voice. And so, you know, at our home, you know, we have a place for our phones and, and, you know, we, if they ring, we may go get them, but otherwise, you know, a couple times a day, especially like on the weekends, mm -hmm. we may check it to see who's tried to text us, but we try not to be so readily available. Mm -hmm. And even like for me during the day, I try to keep my phone on silent yeah. uh, for that same thing. Uh, not just from hearing from the Lord, but I can, I can be a, a, a better and I can do better at my job and my task when I'm mm -hmm. not constantly distracted. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, you know, 20, 30 years ago, that's how everybody functioned. You know, yeah, they got true. they got to their answering machine once or twice a day and they got caught up on their messages and, you know, they mm -hmm. were not so readily available. And then you had silence. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But the other thing is, is, is the place of the television. You know, we found out in our house that it was on all the time. It was constant mm -hmm. noise. It was constant distraction. And, and people would come and they'd stare at it. Yeah. And uh, there was not a lot of conversation happening. And I believe that's another way God speaks is through... It's through the community, it's through relationships and mm. through conversations. And I mean, we've all seen the pictures of, of people sitting around at a restaurant or on a couch and everybody's staring at their phones and nobody's having a conversation. Yeah. And um, so, so we in our house <clears throat> were, made a purpose decision to put a TV in one room separate from our gathering room mm. so that if we wanted to watch TV, we could, but it was intentional. Mm -hmm. But when people came over, we naturally poured into a space that did not have a TV yeah. uh, to force conversation. And... Um, isn't it, isn't it interesting? I don't want to cut you off, but um, go ahead. Uh, isn't it interesting? We talked about this the other day that God's command to not form any image. He says, "Don't make anything in the earth. Yes. Don't make anything under the sea. Don't make any an image of anything in the heavens." And I will say this: there are like engravings and images in the tabernacle of cherubim sure. and, and creatures. But the theme seems to be pretty strong that there is a, a relation to crafting an image and then obsessing over it. Yes. That's idolatry yes. in its simplest form. And uh, we, we had talked about the other day that it's so strange that in today's modern world, there are two things. Number one, that images have become the center of so much of our time and attention oh, yes. again. Yeah, moving movies. images yeah. and talking images. And, you know, there's some, there's some language similar to that in the book of Revelation yeah. that's warned heavily against. And again, mm -hmm. I, technology is what I do for a living. I'm not, I'm not against it, but I, I do believe there's a place in the home yeah. and in our lives for it because it can so easily <laughs> become the distraction that mm -hmm. keeps us from that still small voice. And, um, and God speaks to us, to us through word, chose to speak to us through words. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, a, a confirmation for this for our family was there's a, a book I read called The Sabbath. Mm. Um, and um, and it's, a, it's a Jewish gentleman, and he's, he's kind of laying out the Jewish thought and philosophy yeah. about the Sabbath day. Yeah. Abraham Heschel's what yes, you told Yes, Abraham me Heschel, that's right. And, and he talks about how um, 
that in the Jewish home, the center of, of most living rooms is not a television, it's a mm. bookcase, mm. and that how wow. important reading was. And, um, but he also talks about that, um, that Adam and Eve were given dominion over the garden to, to, to take dominion over their space, mm. that everything they labored to do uh, interacted with their, the space around them. Mm-hmm. And that on the Sabbath, we're not supposed to alter our space. We're supposed to to come in line with the most holiest of resources, which is time, because mm-hmm. only God knows how much of that that we have left, mm-hmm. and that um, and that so on the Sabbath particularly, it was about feeding the soul man and not the physical man. You know, it wasn't about mm-hmm. going out into the and surviving and harvesting food. Yeah, it was about spending time with the community, spending time with family, and spending time with God's word. And so, you know, that's a that's a huge part of it too, because it's hard to accomplish any of that. With a, when you're constantly in a cell phone or a television screen, it's hard to be connected with your community. It's hard to be connected with your family, and it's hard to hear the, the voice of the Lord. And I think you know the, the, the technology idol, per se, is a new issue, mm. but I, I think this whole concept is established in the idea of a, of a Sabbath rest because you know just this idea of, of tilling and, to, and tolling can be enough of a distraction that God says, no, I want you to stop what you're doing, I want you to rest and I want you to focus on me and to listen to what mm-hmm. I have to say. And, um, you know, and, and there's, a, there's a big, that's a big thing with cleaning your house, as yeah. you talked about, from the, from the, and then filling it with things, filling it with things that are godly, filling it with mm-hmm. traditions and with, with laughter and with, with deep conversation and, and, you know, interesting books and enriching our lives. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it, it seems to me that in a society, that uh, and again, technology and information distribution is what I do. You know, you mentioned I'm the yeah. director of IT. That that's information technology. Mm-hmm. That's what we do is we distribute and manage information. And in the, in the time when we have the most access to information we've ever had, I really believe that as a society, we're probably the least educated. Wow. You know, we're probably the least informed. And and you know, you could say fake news and and different mm-hmm. reasons mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. But I, I think the main reason is is because we. we we spend so much time being entertained. Mm-hmm. We don't spend a lot of time reading. We don't spend yeah. a lot of time having meaningful conversations. And it's those things that I believe is kind of like the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron yeah. that quickens us and sharpens us and enables us to, to, div- to divide what is the word of God and what is our wow. flesh and to make good decisions, not only for us, but for our families. I think it's interesting. Uh, when God says in the Ten Commandments, he said, observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And in the Hebrew, yeah. the word observe means to, well, if you take it straightforward, it means to look at something intently in order to obey it and yes. understand it. Yes. And when you observe, so if you're observing the Sabbath, it's based off of the creation calendar of God where he, in the six days, created the world. Yes. And then he sat and he observed all the things on the Sabbath and resting that were good. So if, if the Sabbath is a day of observation, it's like a day of self-reflection too. Yes, absolutely. So you're, you're able to actually give a status report when you calm down and spend time with your family oh, yeah. of how each of them are doing, of the state of your home. And it's probably at times like that that if there are unhealthy things, they come up to the surface. Yeah. Because if you're constantly going, there's no way to really tell the health, the health status yeah. of your, yourself, your home, absolutely. your family. Well, and, and you know, and, uh, and there's a, in the law of Moses, it says to observe the Sabbath, to keep the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. This is a perpetual <laughs> covenant between me and you through all generations. So, you know, God's saying one of the ways that you're going to be identified as, as mine, as having mm-hmm. a covenant with me, mm-hmm. is you're keeping an observation of the Sabbath. Yeah. And uh, that word keep, I believe, could also be translated to guard and to protect. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah. a, it's a thing that is going to constantly be under attack. 
by by notifications, mm-hmm. by obligations, by honeydew list, by everything else. Mm-hmm. But you have to guard it. You have to protect it. You have to set it aside, and it's a it's a conscious decision to mm-hmm. make. And it's not something that just you know happens um, by accident. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> to that point, um, you know, I was talking about the disconnecting and and self having time to self reflect and having time to hear the voice of God and and how good that downtime is for us as humans. Yeah, I remember as a kid, me and my siblings. It seems like every day we would be complaining to one of our parents that we were bored. Mm-hmm. We're bored. We're bored. We're bored. <laughs> and I remember I had a moment when my son was little. Um, and I remember thinking, gosh, he has never told me he's bored. And, I, and then I got to thinking, well, he's got a TV. He's got, you know, these video games. Uh-huh. And, and we try to limit all that anyway. Mm-hmm. And then when we started really trying to get a hold of the technology and its place in our home, I was like, you know what? I think boredom is healthy. Yeah. You know, I think it's good for children to learn a time of, of, of pause. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had always done that in a church service. Our, our kids sit in us through the whole church service, and that's a time where they've learned that this is a quiet time and it is a, mm-hmm. it is a time to disconnect. But it's like it shouldn't just be for one hour a week. You know, that should be a regular thing yeah. in, in anyone's life. And, uh, and so now we've kind of put some boundaries on the technology, and, and I do hear it now. I hear, Dad, I'm bored. Yeah. And I always say, well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and they're like, what? Why is that good? And I was like, because it's, it's, it's like when you have to sleep to recharge your body, yeah. your mind has to sleep to recharge too, and, and that boredom is good for your mind. It's good for your soul. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you don't have to be bored all the time. But but you don't have to constantly be engaged in something. Yeah. And uh, and I, I think that's the I think that's the whole idea with it. We're we're too busy. We're too engaged. We're too mm-hmm. much information. We're on overload. And God's looking for a place to get in there and have yeah. His place. But we're not guarding it. We're not yeah. protecting it. We're not we're not keeping that covenant between Him and us of that mm. that resting. And how much of that information is actually truth and is actually useful yes. and is actually causing us to think more clearly mm-hmm. and to make good decisions? Oh, yeah. I, I think it's, there's a ton of stuff, and its goal is to cloud, to yeah. cloud judgment. And I know there's people out there that have entire worldviews that they don't even understand why they have them. Oh, no. And then they don't really understand the worldview itself. Like when they're questioned, like in these, uh, these political, like, Q and A's at colleges. Yeah, young people like there's they, it starts to break down really quickly because they don't fully understand. But I think boredom may be where God expects you. The reason you focus on the Word of God is to gain understanding. Yeah, you have to think about it. You have to be bored to yeah. make yourself put forth the effort to think something over and mull it over, yeah. ask questions, well, and come to and understand. The command is to meditate on it when you rise up, when you lay down, and yeah. your comings and your goings, and day and night. And it's hard to meditate and think about it if you've got a bunch of other responsibilities yeah. and things going on. And it's not saying you can't be a responsible person, but it's you've got to have a boundary mm-hmm. between your responsibilities and that thing that is most holy, uh, that resource that is most holy, which is our time. Mm. And, yeah. uh, and that is, I think, the, the essence of, of the Sabbath. And I think that is the problem that we have taken technology and allowed it to steal it from us. Wow. I mean, how many times, especially someone who does social media, how many times have you found yourself on social media and don't even remember thinking you wanted to go there? It's just like a, just a, like a second nature, like muscle memory, opening yeah, the absolutely. app. You absolutely. Know? And it's, yeah. it, that's, that's how much of a stronghold it has where you don't even realize you're doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's because you had a moment. Mm-hmm. But instead of taking that moment of self-reflection or allowing God to speak to you or just, or just enjoying your surroundings or where you're at for a moment, um, it's, oh, social media and yeah. on it. And a comedian once said, uh, when I'm going through Facebook, I feel like I'm on page 14,000 of the world's most boring book and I can't put it down. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I, I feel like that's a great explanation. You know, mm-hmm. it, it needs to be put down and it, it needs to have a place yeah. um, that is not so, prom- so par- uh, prominent. Yeah. I, I think of something um, in closing here, a rabbi once talked about, uh, I heard this years ago, and I think, I believe it was, there were two named Rabbi Hillel and Rabbi Shammai, and yeah. they were the ones that, um, I believe it's called, I, there are two words in my mind, the Midrash or the Mishnah, I believe it's the Midrash, but it's the earliest form of Jewish formal tradition where they passed it on. And these two guys were the major schools of thought with the Pharisees. And Hillel said something which sounds almost identical to what Jesus says, and it's about the golden rule. And Hillel said, do not do to others what you wouldn't have them do to you. And he said, that's what sums up the law. And it sounds almost identical to Jesus, but Jesus said, do, he was called, it was a call to action. Yeah. Do, think about what you ought to do to yes. other people and what you would want them to do yes, for be you. be active. Be active. So casting out demons is an emptying. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm going to avoid what's evil. I'm going to step away from, I want something that's evil clear from my life. I don't yes. want sin, I want to be pure. But righteousness, Jesus says, and all the law and the prophets are summed up in doing what is good. And I think that what you're talking about is not just because, because you mentioned to me, you were like, you know, it's been a few years since I've had to cleanse a house, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, I don't it's just want to. you do every day. <laughs> he said, I don't just want to reach back to old stories. So you were a little concerned about that. But that's what spurred this whole episode was, well, I think the main reason you don't focus on those things is because you've been filling your life with what is good. Yeah. And that's, that's an everyday active thing of how am I going to grow my relationship with Mm -hmm. God? How am I going to reflect on myself? So uh, in closing, uh, if you hear people that are saying, man, my life's in a really, I I feel like all these things, I want to serve God, but I feel like all these things have a hold on me. I do. I do that thing. I pull out and I have like muscle memory. I go to Instagram. I go to Facebook. And it's something that's got such a stronghold in my life. How do I distance myself from that and start to turn it around and find joy in godly things. Yes. How do I find that in my life? Well, I, the biggest thing first is removing the thing that's distracting you from it. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's some of the thing, you know, Jesus says that if your right hand causes you to sin, to cut it off. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not recommending you cut off your cell phone arm, yeah. uh, but, um, <laughs> but what I do recommend is like in our house, we have a bowl by the door, you know, or, or a, a key ring thing that you set the phone in when you come in the room. So that way it's not even on your person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and, and that invokes a panic attack. Oh, where's my phone? Where's my phone? It's like, it's okay. Mm. It's okay, you know, wow. and if someone needs you, they'll call you and you'll hear it. Yeah. But you don't have to answer every ding. And like I said, I usually leave mine on silent anyway. Uh, and I make a point to check it throughout mm-hmm. the day, but just remove it all together. You know, for my wife, that's been removing all the apps and closing the accounts. Mm. And uh, she's like, if I need to look something up, I'll get on my computer and do it. So it's a more, mm-hmm. for her, it's a more purposeful thing. Kind of like where we moved the TV. So it would be a more purposeful thing. And, uh, and, and it's first create that space. Mm-hmm. And then when you create the space, you know, fill it with something, you know, have a Bible nearby, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, listen to some, some, some Christian content, uh, you know, on the radio or, or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, it's, you know, try to spend time, set up, set up some outings with some, some fellow Christians and brothers and sisters, you know, that where you're going to, uh, to engage with them in a conversation. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be a deep conversation, but that's the thing is, uh, is, to, is to say, you know, phone or, or Facebook, your place is, is in that bowl and I'm going to mm-hmm. restrict myself, my access to that, because 
I, I have a short period of time here in this life and there's mm. people that I care about and there's a, there's a God that I serve and my time needs to be more focused on him and not on um, this, this digital idol that has been so, become so distracting. Wow, well, that's awesome. You know, and I, that, that's so true. And I'll close out with a, a verse before we go. But before we go, I want to say thank you so much for coming yeah, on, man. Fun. We'll have to do it again yeah. sometime. And I, I really was blessed by what you were saying. It was really helping me out. And I wanted you to be able to share it with everybody else. Yeah, so absolutely. Thank you. And I want to leave those that are listening now with this scripture in Joshua 24, 15. I think it's really relevant to what we're talking about today. This is uh, as Joshua, after they've went through and conquered the land of Canaan like God promised, he says something to the Israelites because he's trying to nip, like nip a problem in the bud before it happens. Mm. And he sees a trajectory. He's trying to save them from trouble. He says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river. So he's saying, Are you going to go back? to the other side of the river? Are you going to go back to what life was like before we crossed over into this new life? Or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So it's a decision you have to make to set your own house in order. And it's not just something you could do out in the world. You have to invite the Lord in in very specific ways. James said, faith without works is dead. But I promise you, if you start to set, if you listen to what my brother here is saying, and you start to set things in order in your life, you're going to see the grace of God come in and assist you to make those changes. That's right. So God bless you, and God bless you on the way. Hope to catch you next time.